There was a Viking who conquered Paris and basically held it hostage. He killed the King of England and the King of Sweden. This Viking was so mighty that he became something called a Sea King. Basically his naval force was so large that it was effectively its own country. To accomplish all of this, the Viking was a cunning tactician who employed a Blitzkrieg style of fighting before Blitzkrieg was even a thing. He was a great man, a terrible man who did awful things, but undeniably great. Even after his death, this man could not be stopped. He became the patriarch to a dynasty of brutality said to be descended from Odin himself. He bore three sons who all went on to be just as terrifying and cold-blooded as he was. This Viking's name is Ragnar Lothbrok, and his story is bloody, brutal, and fascinating. King Charlemagne ruled Francia, modern-day France, in the 8th century. He was credited for uniting all of Western and Central Europe under his rule. This unification meant there was a centralized, well-run defense around Charlemagne's land. The coasts were well guarded, and Charlemagne had navies constantly patrolling the seas. For a long time, this level of protection kept his kingdoms safe from would-be Viking raiders. Charlemagne was, and still is, rightfully considered a great ruler, but in 1814, Charlemagne fell ill and died. And when Charlemagne died, Frankish unity died with him. His kingdoms became fractured, and there was a total breakdown of his famous centralized defense. This opened up Frankish lands to Scandinavian raiders from the north. You see, for years, the Christian Frankish Empire had been expanding into pagan territories and killing Danes along the way. During this time, the Danes did not stand a chance against Charlemagne's unified forces. But now, Charlemagne was out of the picture, and Francia was weak. These Northmen started small, sending raiding parties out to the dredges of Frankish lands, and in doing this, they were quite successful. These raids kept getting bigger and bigger until the Vikings were sending shiploads of men and ransacking pretty big areas of Francia. Success breeds success, and the Vikings were realizing that firsthand. King Horik was the ruler of the Danes at that time. He did not approve of these raids at all. In fact, he publicly condemned them in letters to King Charles, who was Charlemagne's successor. This could have been a ruse, it's possible that Hork just wanted to save face while still letting his men raid. However, more likely it revealed that King Hork had very little control over his tribes of Vikings and their warlords. One such warlord was Ragnar Lothbrok. We don't know anything about Ragnar's childhood, but his last name, Lothbrok, translates pretty directly to English as shaggy breeches or shaggy trousers. Indeed, it seems that he was quite famous for wearing these shaggy pants that he made himself. According to Ragnar, the fabric had magic powers that made him unkillable in battle. Ragnar Lothbrok claimed to be a direct descendant of the Norse god Odin. Whether that's true or not, we do know some things about his immediate parents. The saga of Ragnar Lothbrok states that Ragnar descended from an Icelandic family. His father was King Sigurd Ring, who was the ruler of Sweden and then also took the crown of Denmark. His mother was a princess in her own right named Alfhild Gandolfsdatter. You can continue to trace this lineage back through the Norse sagas. If you were so inclined, you could make something of a family tree for Ragnar. But for our purposes, just know that he had some very famous relatives.
Ragnar's first accomplishment was defeating the Swedish king Frö, who'd murdered his grandfather. During this battle, Ragnar fought alongside a woman named Lagatha, who was remarkable for both her beauty and her might as a warrior. Ragnar seemingly forced her to marry him, and they bore a couple of children. After this, Ragnar ruled Sweden with these sons. On the back of this victory, Ragnar led a Viking expedition to England. According to the sagas, he killed the king of England and installed his own sons as rulers there. Ragnar didn't stop there, however. He continued to raid and explore the Arctic, Finland, and Russia. During this time, he became known as an incredibly cunning and skilled military tactician. For one, Ragnar only engaged in battles if he knew that he would win. This might seem like an obvious strategy to us, but Vikings didn't really fear death in battle, so Ragnar's ideas did fly in the face of their culture at the time. Ragnar also looked to amass huge amounts of men and fight in a Blitzkrieg style. Blitzkrieg means lightning war. It is a military strategy that involves fast, intense attacks to crush an opponent as quickly as possible. The term Blitzkrieg wasn't actually coined until World War II. Ragnar and his Vikings were just way ahead of their time. So Ragnar would bring more men than his enemy and strike quickly and violently. His whole plan was to win before the enemy had a chance to assemble a fighting force. Speed and numbers were the main tenets of his strategy. To this end, Ragnar was a huge proponent of spending lots of money on soldiers. In his own words, gold and riches could not fight an enemy on a battlefield. So he would just take all the money he made raiding and hire people to fight in his army. Seems that Ragnar would take pretty much anyone. There are records of him having slaves in his forces, which was totally unheard of. Ragnar did this to prove that the quote, lowest of the Danes were mightier than other civilizations' bravest soldiers. And there was perhaps no better example of Ragnar's prowess than his most famous battle the Siege of Paris. Ragnar was in good favor with Charlemagne's successor, King Charles, and even owned some land in the Frankish Empire. But it seems like Ragnar had a falling out with the king, lost his Frankish land, and set out to raid Paris as vengeance. Now, the average Viking raiding party was anywhere from 50 to 100 people on a handful of ships. But remember, Ragnar was obsessed with the idea of power in numbers. So he took 5,000 men on over 100 ships to raid Paris. These numbers were unheard of and unprecedented for Viking raiding parties, even as the Danes had been pillaging all across Frankish lands. Paris at the time was entirely on an island in the middle of the river Seine. King Charles divided his army into two halves, setting up on either side of the river. The idea was that as Ragnar's ships came down the Seine, Frankish attacks from both riverbanks would just overwhelm Ragnar. But Ragnar realized this, so his men took to land. They engaged with the smaller of the two armies, defeating them easily, while the remaining Franks could only look on helplessly from across the river. After victory, Ragnar sacrificed the surviving Frankish soldiers to Odin. They were all hanged from trees on the riverbanks, so the dead Frankish bodies were on full display for the other half of the French army across the river. To taunt the Christian Franks further, Ragnar and his men invaded the city on Easter Sunday. They quickly sacked Paris because the French were unable to muster a decent defense. The Vikings plundered the city successfully and went back to their camp. 
The plan was to continue this raid for as long as possible, but then disease began to run through the Viking camp. Ragnar, though, did well to conceal this from the Frankish enemy. Unaware of the disease situation, King Charles decided that his men stood no chance against the Vikings. He agreed to pay Ragnar over 5,000 pounds of silver and gold to just leave entirely. Ragnar accepted, knowing that his men probably couldn't go on much longer anyways. And even though the ransom had quite effectively gotten Ragnar to leave, he was not the last Viking the Franks would see. Indeed, it seems this payment only set up a precedent for future raids. Over the coming years, the Danes continued to raid and pillage across the Frankish territories. In total, they received over a dozen more ransoms, just like the one Ragnar had gotten. Ragnar later swore that he would topple the English Empire with just two ships. Certainly a bold claim, but to his credit, he actually tried to do it. Ragnar sailed two ships to England and was, unsurprisingly, beaten and captured by then-King Ayla. The king tortured Ragnar and then to execute him, threw him into a pit of snakes. As the snakes bit into Ragnar, he spoke his final and maybe prophetic words. How the piglets would squeal if they saw the old boar now. Ragnar died at the hands of the English king Ayla, sure, but he was survived by his sons, Vitzirk, Björn, Sigurd, Ivar, and Uba. The sons heard of Ragnar's death and came together to seek vengeance on King Ayla. They joined forces, creating what is now known as the Great Pagan Army. This army invaded England and captured King Ayla. The brothers tortured and executed King Ayla by means of a blood eagle. In a blood eagle, the victim's ribs were ripped out through their back. Then their lungs were pulled through these wounds and spread out to create the image of wings. Bjorn Ironside was probably Ragnar's most famous son. He was said to be a mighty and unkillable warrior. After avenging his father, Bjorn heard tales of distant lands to the south, and indeed he led a raiding party into the Mediterranean. During this time, Bjorn raided the Spanish peninsula, the south of France, and even into modern-day Italy. So, Ragnar was a legendary warlord, to say the least. It's no surprise that we still talk about him and his sons to this day. But there is one huge problem with the story of Ragnar Lothbrok. It might not be true. The vast, vast majority of Ragnar's life is told in Scandinavian sagas. These sagas are a mix of fictional legends and historical records. It's really difficult to say what's true and what isn't. Ragnar is mentioned in several totally different sagas from totally different parts of the world, so he probably was a real person at some point. However, at the end of the day, almost everything about Ragnar's life, including his existence, is debated on some level by modern historians. Today, most people probably know of Ragnar through the Vikings TV show. I think this is interesting because it helps contextualize the sagas in which Ragnar Lothbrok actually appears. The TV show is essentially a modern saga. There are bits of it that are true and others that are entirely made up, and of course parts that are somewhere in between. But still, the stories are actively being retold in our cultural canon. So, in the same way that ancient northern people told stories of larger-than-life characters like Ragnar, we pretty much do the exact same thing today. 